Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Old Baptist Weekly. We're happy that you've joined us. We hope you've come praying that the Lord would be blessed tonight and that we would be lifted up by the sound of his gospel being preached. We are extra thrilled tonight to have Elder Mark Richards with us here from Austin, Texas. Brother Mark, good to see you. How you doing? Doing well. It's good to see all of you, brothers. Uh, I was thinking, you know, no, you're not mute. Don't mute. You're not muted. Um, and, and let's say you're pastor at Little Vine Church there in, in uh, Austin, Texas, right? Yeah, we're really blessed. Good. Church doing all right then. Good, 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 good. Well, we're happy, happy to have you with us tonight. Uh, before we turn the service over to you, we'd like to get Elder David Montgomery to lead us in prayer. Be about with us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity we gather together tonight. Lord, thy word has, has been published through many ways, and we're thankful that we can do it now in this capacity. We pray that thy, uh, thy servant, our beloved brother Richards, would have free course in thy gospel. We would have free course as well, Lord, and we pray that thy name would be exalted. Lord, teach us to know thee better. If it would be by thy bro this broadcast tonight, we would be so grateful. Lord, we thank you for all your mercies. Thank you, you have blessed us to this point, and that thou has kept Zion safe until now, as we trust until the end of time. Give us thy grace tonight, as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother David. Uh, Brother Mark, we'll turn it over to you. Uh, Lord bless. Okay, appreciate it. Um, if you have your Bibles and want to turn, I want to consider something with you tonight in uh, the third chapter of John. I um, my thoughts turn to uh, John 3.16, which um, I did a little bit of research. I was curious as to what the Internet would say about people's understanding of, of John 3.16. And I, I Googled it, and there's a survey by a Christian group that confirmed that the majority of people they surveyed understood what John 3.16 references. I thought that was really interesting. And then the sub- text of that was that 68% of the people surveyed knew that three in John 3.16 refers to a chapter in John. <laughs> so um, I think their, their definition of understanding John 3.16 was a little shallower than perhaps we would like. But 68% of people surveyed knew that the three in John 3.16 was a chapter. 6% thought the three referred to a verse. 2% thought the three referred to a book in the Bible, and 17% were not sure. Um, what I think is is interesting and what I was actually expecting I might find is I, I was curious as to how many people that are familiar with John 3.16, um, most would probably know that it was in the Gospel of John, and so would probably think that John had written it. But I wondered how many would realize that who spoke those words in John 3.16, and of course it's our Savior that spoke those words, and to whom he spoke them. Um, but anyway, the survey didn't go much deeper than, do you know what the three in John 3.16 stands for? So uh, that's as far as I got with the survey. But um, I think it's there is um, a great blessing uh, for us, not just in John 3.16, but in, in the third chapter of John. And for, for everything that's been postulated about John 3.16 and what it tells us, um, 
I, I'm reminded by what the Lord said about that he was going to prepare a place. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I think the Lord in that statement um, verifies and validates that he tells us the truth that we need to know, right? If something's not true, he would have told us it's not true. And in John chapter three, if this is a recipe for getting to heaven or, you know, um, becoming a child of God or being born again, um, what John chapter three does not tell us to do is to believe. That's not the imperative in John chapter three. And belief is a glorious, beautiful blessing for God's people. Um, but I think it's always important to put it in, in its proper context and see that um, our belief in God um, rests upon his love and his manifesting himself to us. And it's our belief is not how we find God out. Um, an interesting way, I think, to look at this is um, the word must uh, appears four times in the third chapter of John. Um, there's three verses that contain the word must. And in, in looking at this, I almost said, well, it's, it's really not the entire third chapter of John. It's really just the first you know, 21 verses are kind of the setting of the conversation between the Lord and Nicodemus. In that, there are, there are two musts. Um, but as I was kind of getting my, my thoughts around that, I realized that this verses 23 through 36 of John chapter 3 um, are, are placed perfectly uh, by the counsel of God. And there's some interesting parallels between this witness of John, uh, John the Baptist, uh, from verse 23 to verse 36, compared to the witness of Jesus Christ to Nicodemus in verse 1 through verse 22. Um, and one of the, the, the verse in that, the, you know, that last third of the third chapter of John, where it's speaking about John the Baptist and those that have come to him, um, the, the verse that includes the word must is verse 30 which you're familiar with, it says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that must is, is different, I think, than the two musts that Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. But as I was thinking about how different they were, it really made me realize um, that what John the Baptist uh, reports in the third part of the third chapter of John um, truly reflects everything that he says from verse 23 to verse 36 is very well calibrated with what the Lord told Nicodemus in the first 22 verses. And there's several verses, like if you look at verse 32, I think has direct reference back to verse 11, and verse 36 has direct reference back to verse 18, for example. Um, but both of these, we have, have someone coming to um, John the Baptist, and they address him as rabbi which is the, the way that Nicodemus addresses Jesus Christ. Um, but when you look at the, the first two thirds and the last third of the th third chapter, I think I'm, I'm kind of reconsidering the must in verse 30, I think is very relevant and very similar to the must that Jesus Christ describes to Nicodemus. So, so maybe just in, in starting with that third part where uh, John the Baptist was baptizing in verse 25, it says, then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. And it seems like 
uh, certainly given John the Baptist's um, response to that, that either they meant or he um, inferred uh, that they were implying that this is something that John the Baptist would be upset about, <laughs> that Jesus Christ was baptizing uh, and that men were going to him. John makes it very clear, first of all, that he is in no competition with Christ Jesus, but rather is that one that would come before. And I, I think this, if the summation of it is he must increase, but I must decrease, I think, you know, we could look at John the Baptist and, and the role that he had in uh, preaching and preparing away before the Lord came and the nature of his ministry being the last prophet and the first first preacher, all, all that kind of combined. Um, there's clearly some specificity to to John the Baptist that the Lord must increase and John the Baptist must decrease. But I think this is true for everybody. I think this is true for every believing child of God. He must increase, but I must decrease. And I think if we look at the first two thirds of John chapter three, um, we'll see that if, if we apply that truth um, that John made the testimony, we apply that to the first two thirds of John chapter three, verses one through verse 22, I think we we cannot take from it what the world serves up. The message, um, the message that I think the the religious world serves up about John three sixteen has a lot to do with with you and what you do. Um, and if we look to John chapter three to find our increase, I think we're going to have to put it in there. But the Word of God talks about the increase of Christ Jesus and our decrease. And I think given that, uh, if that's the takeaway from, from what John said, um, and if you look at, at his relationship to Christ, what he, what he says is in response, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. And again, this, this sounds very similar to something that Jesus Christ is going to tell Nicodemus about being born again or being born from above. It says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. That's surely true for John the Baptist as as that forerunner, but um, I think it's something that could resonate with every child of God. What a blessing it is to rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And this, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earth, earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth. And that verse 32, I think, like, like we said before, refers back to something that Jesus Christ told Nicodemus in verse 11. And no man receiveth his testimony. And we'll see that shows up in verse 11 as well. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. You think about this speaking about Jesus Christ as one who did not have the spirit by measure. You know, there's sometimes when you're making a recipe and it calls for, you know, a cup of flour. You've got to measure out a cup out of the big, you know, the big canister of flour. There's uh, some recipes where it's a, a stick of butter, right? And you throw the whole stick in, right? You don't even have to measure it, right? 
And when it comes to the spirit with Christ Jesus, it was not measured to him because he didn't have anything less than all of it, right? He was the God incarnate and and he is the comforter that he promised. So God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. And then verse 35 makes that pretty, pretty, pretty clear and plain. The father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hands. So there's no need to measure if you have all things. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And that's the end of John chapter 3. But if, if we look at John chapter 3 and, and address the, the question that uh, ensues from Nicodemus in this, this general question of how one might see the kingdom or enter the kingdom, and whether that's the, the spiritual realm here or heaven and immortal glory, I, I don't believe you can enter one. Uh, I mean, you certainly wouldn't in, enter into heaven if you weren't granted um, entrance into the, the spiritual kingdom. And that entrance into the spiritual kingdom comes from spirit as a result of spiritual birth. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's more appropriate to say it the other way, that no one would be granted entrance into the spiritual kingdom here if they did not have heaven as their home because of the finished work of Christ Jesus. And I think that's a fundamental truth that a lot of times we'd realize that our timely salvation rests upon our eternal salvation and not the other way around. So the timely salvation that we enjoy today, um, having fellowship with God, him manifesting himself to us um, and, and being able to worship him, the, the word of God opening, being open unto us, that exists because heaven is our home. Um, heaven is not our home because of our appreciation for the word of God. So in, in John chapter three, and just really quick, quickly to get a few things here is Nicodemus that, that comes to Christ by night said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, which honestly is not the answer to a question. That's just a statement. Uh, Nicodemus hasn't asked a question, um, but it's something clearly that if you look at John chapter three, it was not Nicodemus that set the um, the agenda for the conversation, right? The Lord um, broached the subject and Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? That's the first question. Second question, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then his third question is how can these things be, All right? So the first first question is, how can a man be born when he is old? And there is a great answer to that question. There is a way for a man to be born when he is old. The only way a man can be born when he is old is to be born again. And that's the language that the Lord uses. The second question, can a man uh, enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? The answer to that is no. <laughs> Right. Which says that the the second birth, the new birth, the regeneration that Jesus Christ is going to speak to Nicodemus about is not natural. Right. This is not a natural birth or a natural rebirth. It is a birth from above. And it's clearly a birth um, that is a spiritual one. Um, so in response, in verse five, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say to thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. 
if if we take this the premise what the lord introduced is what must happen in order for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven what must happen in order for you to see the kingdom of heaven one thing that must happen is ye must be born again right god is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so this is a necessity it's a it's a uh, fundamental truth um but as as the Lord answers Nicodemus, he perceives that he's marveling. Um, marvel not that I send it to you, you must be born again. And there's really two reasons why this is true, why you must be born again. One is because the Lord said so, right? So when the Lord says something will be, it must be. Um, there's Whether we understand it or not, if, if the Lord before this point, um, if, if his counsel, his holy sovereign will, is that men must be born of the spirit or will be born of the spirit, then they must be. There's no, you know, it's God that sets the confines of that. The second way I think in which it's true that we must be born again is without the new birth, we lack the spiritual faculties um, that would make us fit heirs of heaven, right? We don't, even while we're here, even if we're thinking just about our timely salvation, without spiritual birth, we can't hear the gospel and respond to it and and give God glory and honor and praise um, the way that we can when we've been given spiritual faculties, where we can see things with an eye of faith, we can hear things with that ear of faith, and we can feel things and understand things in a heart of faith and hearing a still small voice. And so um, in order, and again, I think this is the, fitly matches the language where God is a spirit, and as a consequence of that, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the same emphatic um, declaration. You must be born again. And then in verse eight, where, and I found this to be interesting. In verse eight, it sounds like it's a um, kind of an allegorical teaching here. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. And that's a capital S spirit. If you look, the Greek word that's transliterated to spirit is the exact same Greek word that's transliterated to wind. So the the words of Jesus Christ is either, you know, the spirit bloweth where it listeth or the wind bloweth where it listed. And so is everyone that is born of the wind. Right. But it's the Holy Spirit. Right. So I don't think this is so much a, a hypothetical or an allegorical teaching. This is literally, I mean, you, you could say that he's teaching spiritual things with a natural pattern, but literally the Greek word for spirit is wind. And in the transliteration, these two English words are pointing to the same Greek word. So if, if you can imagine the Lord saying it, he, he in, in, as it would be transliterated in Greek, he would say, the spirit bloweth where it listeth, and, and so is everyone that's born of the spirit or the wind, or that, that Greek word. And in verse 9, Nicodemus asked the third question. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Same, same thing, the same set of things that Nicodemus seemed um, concerned about. Those are the things that the Lord is about to further expand. And in verse 11, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen. That's exactly what John the Baptist said of Jesus Christ in verse 32. 
And the Lord says, and ye receive not our witness. Now, I believe he's not directing this specifically at the person Nicodemus, right? It's the Jewish people um, as a people, as a nation, um, had received not the witness of Jesus Christ, which is the reason Nicodemus is having to come by night, right? Because if the people had received the witness, then then it wouldn't have, Nicodemus wouldn't have been um, fearful for this meeting. But in verse 12, it says, if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So there's more things, right? These things aren't the natural things. These things are the heavenly things. You get the impression that maybe Nicodemus understands natural things, um, but what he needs light is on the spiritual things, which really is the object lesson. I'm not saying at all that Nicodemus wasn't born of the spirit, but one of the things that the Lord is making clear is you must be born of the spirit, right? If, if you have not spiritual faculties, you could only know natural things and you couldn't know these spiritual things. Um, and I certainly believe that uh, Nicodemus is beloved of God and, and um, we have great reason to believe that he saw these spiritual things. But it says um, in verse 13, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And then this um, was always peculiar to me that this was here. Um, if you're if you're speaking to Nicodemus and you're trying to make clear um, the functioning of the new birth and what it means to be born again and born from above, uh, the Lord goes back to an Old Testament reference and says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That's the second must. And that's the only two must that Jesus Christ gives to Nicodemus is you must be born again, which is the work of, of the Holy Spirit. And if you're born again, it means you have natural life, which is the work of the Father. So if you're born again, you've got the work of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit. And in addition to the Father doing his work and the Holy Spirit doing his work, he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In other words, if you look at what it would take for us to see the kingdom and for, for us to enter into the kingdom, we must be born again and Jesus Christ must be lifted up. And that's that that godly wisdom where he could look at this situation even when Jesus Christ had not yet been lifted up. Um, the promise of him being lifted up um, is the basis for everything else that's written here uh, to Nicodemus. Um, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we Desire eternal life. If we were like the rich young ruler, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The question is, you must be born again and Jesus Christ must be lifted up. Now, the good news for Nicodemus and the good news for me is I'm not responsible for being born again and I'm not responsible for lifting up Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, there are ways in which we lift up Jesus Christ in glory and honor and praise. But this is talking about that sacrificial lifting up of God holding his son up, uh, God delivering him. Um, and the words that you would put in context with that are uh, the he foreordained that and the determinate counsel of God. Both of those passages of scripture in, in Acts chapter two and in first Peter refer to God lifting up Christ Jesus, not men lifting him up. So it's God that lifts Christ Jesus that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The, the beauty of John 3.16 is it's, it's speaking of the increase of Christ Jesus, not the increase of the believer, right? The, the victory is won by the work of Christ Jesus, the love that God had, the offering of Christ Jesus in our stead. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that, again, ties us right back to verse 36, what um, John the Baptist um, brought to our attention. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And it sounds to me like if this were the recipe um, for us to, to earn heaven as our home or become children of God, we don't have the capacity, right? Because, and this underscores why we must be born again. We must be given that spiritual life and those spiritual faculties because this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. That's our Adamic nature. And that's the place in which every child of God is found before or at the time of the quickening of the Holy Spirit. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Remember, we were without strength. Christ died for us. Haters of God. We were saying, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and on our children. So there's nothing in John chapter 3, and there's nothing that Christ tells Nicodemus to tell Nicodemus that by himself, or with his own faculties, or with his own Adamic nature, um, or with his own unction, that he must do anything or that he could do anything. But rather, Christ must increase and we must decrease. In verse 21, it says, but he that doeth truth, and I think one of the things that uh, a truth that can be done by the child of God is to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. But here's the key to those deeds. The deed that is good, that doeth truth, is a deed or deeds that they are wrought in God, right? He must increase and I must decrease. I must be born again, which he, he borns me again. He must be raised up, which God, God delivered his own son. After these things came, came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And then that's the transition into the, the part of John chapter three that talks about John the Baptist. So um, again, I think there's two musts that we would take away from the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Both of those musts belong to God and realizing that they belong to God, giving him the honor, praise and glory that he owns those things and has never sublet them. He's never subcontracted them. He's never asked for help, received help, or needed help. He alone borns us again, and he alone raised up his son. And in that, we see his increase and our decrease. I think it's beautiful to see that John the Baptist in his, um, you know, that transition from an Old Testament prophet to a, a New Testament preacher, um, basically the wind that was in his sails was the very message that Christ taught Nicodemus. So. Thanks for consideration. Appreciate your your time and the opportunity. Amen. Wow.
John chapter three in twenty-seven minutes. I mean, pretty good. Pretty good. Very good. Very good. Well, I I actually have a a couple of questions, but somebody else go. You may ask them for me. David, you got any? I yeah. Oh 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 yes. Pick me. Pick me. (laughs) Okay, you're picked. Okay, thanks. So finally, 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 and it took Mark Mark Isom Richards to do it, to to do this on uh, Old Baptist Weekly, preach on John chapter three, verse six, sixteen. Yeah, anybody's done it until now. About time, <laughs> and uh, it was my good friend Mark Isom Richards. And uh, finally, 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 somebody correlated. John the Baptist statements to the statements of Christ. Mm. And there is a great correlation, uh, especially what John the Baptist said. Uh, what is it? Uh, he said this in, in what was it, verse 23? The, verse 27. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Mm. That's exactly what Christ said in verses 3, 5, mm-hmm. 6, 15, and 16. Yep. And all the way through, all those verses that John said, all the way down to verse 36, there is a correlation to what Christ said. So John John chapter 3, you know, we're all hung up on what Christ said, like, duh, it's chapter 3, duh, it's verse 16. What's the matter with you people? You know, we used to worry about what what what, what were people saying about John 3.16. Then we worried about what Tim Tebow was saying about John 3.16. Now we're worried about that, even though that it's in the third chapter of John in the 16th verse. I mean, right. duh, we have, ah, man. But aren't we glad to be primitive Baptists that we could hear our beloved brother Mark Richards preach and give us the sense, give us the gist of this. And, um, yeah, the, in, 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 in 27 minutes, brother Mark Austin Richards, uh, what is you got any more correlation between what John the Baptist said and what Christ said, just very briefly. And that's my I think, question. I think to your point, when when you when you draw out this um the consistency between the message, the way John the Baptist described it is he's the best man at a wedding, right? And the best man is right up at the front, and the best man hears the promise that the, the groom makes to the bride. And the fact that this message is so consistent. Um, in the the last part of John chapter three, to what Jesus Christ told Nicodemus in the first two thirds of the third chapter, tell us that John the Baptist was a good best man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was not the best man at that wedding, right? The best yes, man yeah. at that wedding is the, is the groom, and his sure. point is the groom must increase and I must decrease. Correct. But as as someone who had been given the truth to preach, um, evidently John the Baptist had been given. You know, and and I would ascribe it to that same spirit uh, of revelation that was given to him as a prophet and as a preacher. But he's he's speaking the same things that Jesus said to Nicodemus, and that's very encouraging. You know, when you think about him as a forerunner, and certainly we wouldn't say Jesus is saying what John the Baptist was saying, right? John the Baptist was saying what Christ was saying, and that's what John the Baptist is telling his disciples. Look, I'm. I heard the man. I heard what he said to his bride. And maybe more importantly, I heard the promise that he made. And the promise that he mm. made to his bride is, I've taken care of the musts. 
He has. Love it. Love, love, love. All right. All right. All right, brother Mark. Uh, Mark. Uh, Mark Daniel Rowell, back to you. That's me. That's me. The other Mark in the room. Um, that's really good. Um, well, you know what, before I kick it over, let me, let me toss out a couple of things real quick, brother Mark. Uh, you mentioned the three questions that John, uh, John, that Nicodemus asks two in verse four and one in verse, uh, nine, I believe. Right. Uh, yeah. How can a man be born when he is old? And then the second question is, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Um, were, were those, Two questions, uh, what I gathered, those two questions are answered in verses five through eight, basically. That was the direct answer or the direct response to those two questions. Is that is that what you were saying? It is, and, and it's interesting, too, when the Lord, I think the Lord is saying to Nicodemus, if I told you that a man had to enter physically, naturally back into his mother's womb to be born again, that would be marvelous. Like yeah. You could marvel at that, right? <laughs> But you don't have to marvel at this. This this makes so much more sense than that, right? Yeah. It makes sense that God, who is a spirit, he's going to born you of the spirit. Right. It makes sense that God, who is the sacrifice, he must be lifted up. You know, yeah. so there's something very, I, you'll have to, you know, take how I mean this. There's something unmarvelous about that, right? It's, it's truly marvelous, right? That God has taken care of the must, but it's not, it's not, you know, head scratching, like, how could this be? Because Jesus even says, if you're a master in Israel, th this shouldn't be that hard to comprehend, you know, because to have right. served God and to known God is to know that he's a spirit and to worship him in spirit and truth. The the sacrificial offerings, all those that pointed, I mean, the, the reference to Moses lifting up the serpent, that's something that a master in Israel would know and should have the sense of. And, you know, really why Jesus could refer to it uh, for Nicodemus as a point of reference. Yeah, I got I got several others. Let me get you to expound. You made the statement: our timely salvation rests on our eternal yeah. salvation, and not the other way. What add add to that, brother Mark? If you if you don't mind, I think I think there would probably some listeners that would really like to know or understand more what that means. Yeah, I I think probably from a scriptural standpoint some verses that would, would be reasonable to assert that is, is the idea that this is the earnest of our inheritance, right? That our timely salvation is made out of eternal salvation. Amen. Okay. That's great. Um, right. And, and so it is the earnest of our inheritance. Our inheritance is not the culmination of the earnest, right? It's not like heaven is not the result of everything that we've done. If, if it were, we better be increasing, right? Oh, that's right. That's right? a good point. Like, if if timely salvation is the accumulation of credit or good deeds or belief or acceptance, whatever it is, fill in the blank, getting baptized, you know, whatever, speaking in tongues, you know, whatever someone might put in that blank, um, it seems like the Lord would be saying, you better get into the business of increasing um, and, and I'm irrelevant. But that's not what the Lord told mm -hmm. Nicodemus. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to kind of think about it that way, just um, that the 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 life that we now enjoy, the, the spiritual faculties that we have, they make it possible for us to enjoy timely salvation. But we need that spiritual birth in order to be heaven um, fit, right? Yeah. Like we have to be spiritually alive to be in heaven. And that's the beauty is at the time that we die, 
well before the resurrection, when our body is in the tomb, that body is not what it takes to get to heaven. What it takes to get to heaven is spiritual life. And if we hadn't been born again, there's not a spirit to go to heaven. Right. So, um, you know, to know that that eternal life that that really, I mean, has has begun when we're quickened, because that's when we're made alive vitally and the application of the, the finished work of Christ Jesus. Um, it, it's we have it's it's a it's the icing on the cake that, that that gives us a capability to spiritually fellowship with God now. But I mean, in the mm. general scheme of things, I think it's much more about making us fit for heaven. <laughs> Good, sir. I appreciate that, and I know our our listeners do as well. Brother Mike Hughes, are you able to get off? Turn mute off. Are you are you stuck on mute? Can't get it off mute. That's that makes me sad. Yeah. Well, he's he'll be ready to pop next Wednesday. So uh, <laughs> sorry, brother Mike. Um, Jerry, Mike. Yeah, you know, uh, brother Mark. I I will echo what has already been said in twenty seven minutes. The entirety of John chapter three. Um, that's pretty remarkable. And, and for the Lord to bless you as he did to line some of these things out. I, I have a, a question. And really, it's, it, it's I'd, love, I'd love to hear you expound on it, if, if, you, if you would. Um, and uh, just reading in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? The language to me gives some indication that Christ expected Nicodemus to have known and possibly understood some of the things that he has said. Mm-hmm. Would you expound upon that a little bit, Brother Mark? I know you tugged at it just a little bit. Nicodemus should have known about yeah. Moses lifting up the serpent and, and number 21, that type of thing. But is there anything else that you think that Christ was saying in that statement? Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing first. Um, if you can go through the third chapter of John in 27 minutes, it means you haven't done it justice. No, <laughs> so that's just that it takes. You know, we, we need to spend a lot more time than 27 minutes. Absolutely. But that's what we're um, doing right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so uh, if we can do it under an hour, then we're good. There you go. Um, uh, second thing, and this is is not a direct answer to your question, but maybe kind of teases at it and we can talk a little more about it. I find it interesting that after that, that third question from Nicodemus, we don't hear from or about Nicodemus again in the third chapter of John. So we're not told that the light bulb comes on. Right. We're not told whether he's right. like an immediate convert. We're not told whether right. he leaves kind of still marveling. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know, and I, I don't really know what to think about that or say about that other than maybe in an encouraging way, maybe the light doesn't always come on immediately. You know, maybe it, maybe it does take time and meditation. You know, I mean, even the apostle Paul said he was persuaded of some things. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Nicodemus, you know, if if Jesus Christ is preaching to you, you can probably get persuaded real quick. Right? <laughs> so I'm not going to put it beyond the power of Christ that that Nicodemus could have left and had the the best operational understanding of the new birth of any human being ever alive. Right? Like the, if the Lord told it to you and opened it up to him, I, I you know, I, I would like to talk to. I'd rather hear it from Christ. But if you couldn't, I say Nicodemus, tell me a, again about that conversation, right? That you had, right? That's good. Um, so. You know, I, I 
for me, I, I leave John chapter three feeling pretty good about Nicodemus. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't feel any harsh judgment. But to your point, it's some of the same language that the Lord used perhaps with those disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, you know, oh, oh fool, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets mm -hmm. have spoken. He, he expected them to be aware of what the prophets had spoken. And not only that, he knew that he had spoken to them, right? Because he right. had to disguise himself or hold their eyes that they wouldn't know him, which means they had been with him. They had seen him. They had heard him, right? Or else if they didn't know him, he wouldn't have had to, you know, disguise himself, if you know what I mean by that, right? right. So, so to, to look at someone who has been under the teaching of Jesus Christ and has the, the um, you know, the great benefit, you know, what advantage than the Jew, they've got the oracles of God. That should be an advantage. And I think the Lord's speaking to that aspect with Nicodemus that, you know, Nicodemus, you, you've been given to, you know, as much as anybody could have given you until this moment, you've been given the kind of knowledge that God gives his people to worship him in spirit and truth. And, you know, John chapter three made it better for Nicodemus for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I would, you know, I, again, I don't know. I can, con can conclude much from that, but it does seem similar to the way that he, he dealt with some of his other disciples in, you know, um, we'll use the word chastisement, right? Because it's, it's out of love that he's saying, you know, you, you should have known these things. And I've, you know, you know, like when, um, you know, when, when he's saying he's the way, the truth, and the life, and they're like, well, we don't know the way. He's like, I am the way. Yeah. And they, he said, well, just, you know, show us the Father, and it will suffice with us. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he says, look, I've been with you, and I've showed you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, I, I put it along those lines as well. And And you'd have to think here that the way that he came, Nicodemus was less of a disciple than Christ's disciples that were following him out in the open. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't sound like he was much worse off than right. the disciples. So. Right. Right. Uh, that's real good, Brother Mark. That's real good. Thank you. Okay. Well, I guess we just close out because I know Mike Montgomery doesn't have anything on his yeah, mind. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> it was a really fantastic message. First of all, let me just commend you on 27 minutes. May I just say, if you can preach that good a sermon, on John chapter three, not just a little bit of John three in 27 minutes. Imagine if you had 30. <laughs> yeah. Those three minutes. Oh, I yeah, can only three, imagine what the three minutes is where my clincher was. Oh, <laughs> we miss his clincher. Sat down without the clincher. So I look forward to the three minutes that you you you'll you'll bring. The you know the payload or whatever they say that thing is um, about Nicodemus. I'm with you guys. I really think Nicodemus, and I think we've said this before. I think Nicodemus sometimes gets a bum rap, as we say in the modern vernacular. I'm thinking Nicodemus knew exactly what the Lord meant. He was just surprised at the mechanism that he chose to. Hmm. to use. I mean, I think he was caught completely off guard by the, the language. So I got a question for you and for the peanut gallery. <clears throat> and you're the chief peanut, Brother Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, brethren, prove the, the new birth by only the Old Testament? 
This is not well, like uh, I know there's some there. I mean, we definitely know there were Old Testament characters that were born again. So, I mean, oh, if you're yeah. talking, can you can you prove it from Old Testament scripture? Yeah. Or can you prove it that we should, in the Old we should Testament, be? I think my, my point is, I think we should be able to. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's essentially what he's telling Nicodemus, right? You think? Yeah. I mean, that you should know these things, right? So, he, in other words, he's saying you should know these scriptures, verses, passages that clearly describe what I just told you. But he also says that they as a people had not received him, right? And he says, I'm, I'm speaking the things that I do know, right? And have received just the way John the Baptist said. Well, there wasn't anything that the Lord taught that wasn't already uh, taught in what we call the Old Testament. Of course, that was the Bible for now. Um, certainly more more shadowy than what we have it in the letters of Paul and in the gospels. But uh, there's not a, a doctrine that we believe to be the truth that isn't somehow alluded to in the old Testament. Would you agree? I think that's fair. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's what I think. <clears throat> yeah. So my, my point is <clears throat> if we, if we can prove the new birth by just using the new test, the old Testament, we Gentiles, imagine what Jesus and Nicodemus, they have a, I think they have a, <laughs> a high level discussion going on that I wish I could have the kind of insight to the scriptures like they had, even Nicodemus. I mean, I think he had it because he was a, he was a master of Israel. He was probably on the Sanhedrin council and all that. All right. Yeah. Now to some technicalities <clears throat> for the market, and you're just the man for that, but the peanuts in the peanut gallery also. I like to look at the pronouns. I know you do too. You're a pronoun kind of a guy. You may be an adverb guy. I forget. Are you an adverb, an adjective, or a pronoun guy? I forget, Brother Mark. More of a gerund. Gerund, yeah. Infinitive. <clears throat> oh, oh, by the way, I have this, I have a message to give to you. I won't say who it came from that says, I am increased by Brother Mark's preaching that I must decrease. I thought that was a excellent <laughs> summation of your your sermon. Well, that's I'm the, not going to say who said it, and he right, probably says, yeah. "Why did you even have to quote that much of it?" Well, you know, uh, I mean, to be fair though, like if that if that was the message from John the Baptist, we know where John the Baptist got it, right? He got it from the bridegroom. He did, and that is the message that Christ gave to Nicodemus. It's the message that John oh. the Baptist gave his disciples, and it really is the message each one of us should be delivering from the pulpit, right? He must increase, and we must decrease. We must decrease. I love that. That was really good, by the way. <clears throat> Okay, so um, in John 3, 3 and 3, 5, the Lord says, except a man be born again. Mm-hmm. And then he says in uh, 3, 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. There's your, must, your, your first one with the must. And then he says in the next verse about the wind, thou, hear, thou hearest the sound thereof. Mm-hmm. So we go from um, thou, thou, I say unto thee, then we go to ye, and back to thou. And the, the I say unto these, I'm, Jesus, I'm saying to you directly, Nicodemus, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Yeah. But I'm saying to you, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And that's the plural pronoun, Morality. as I understand it. Yeah. Any thoughts upon the change in the, 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 the number of the pronoun. 
I think I think it's a great point because this is not a conversation he's having with Nicodemus because Nicodemus needs to be born again, right? Right. This, this is the preaching of the gospel, but it's not the way Nicodemus is going to be born again. He's, he's already born again, right? That's right. That's the other right. important thing, there's a pronoun, pronoun that you didn't mention that there there is, when I was looking at this, uh, you know, there's some other writings and, you know, people have their things, they say, but there, there were some who were advocating that, that this could have said, I think it was maybe in, in a sermon by John Gill where he, he brought this to light, that some people were saying uh, that, they, that it could have been rendered or should have been rendered. Marvel not that I say unto thee, we must be born again. Right? Oh. And um, John Gill said, no way. We right because Jesus Christ doesn't need to be born again. Which to that, that's what John the Baptist said. He doesn't have the Spirit by measure, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. So it could not be we need to be born again. Right. Either ye or thee, you know, ye or thou. And uh, I guess your point, you know, I think what you're getting at is this was not about getting Nicodemus born again. This was about uh, setting forth a precedent and, and establishing a truth. I had never paid attention to the pronouns till tonight. I I thank you for that because that really helps me understand. Yeah. He's not getting after Nicodemus. You would understand this Nicodemus if you were born again. Yeah. He's not saying something like that, right? Yeah. And and he wasn't the only one there. He was he was like the spokesman for for who there were some others that were with him that came to see him. Right, as I understand it. Okay, one last thing, and then I know the peanut gallery is going to want to make peanut butter. Okay, so. <clears throat> In my handy-dandy Bible program software, eSword, and I don't get any, I don't have any kind of financial connection with them, just to let you know. <clears throat> I don't get any, I don't get paid any, uh, any, anything for mentioning them. Uh, the ye must be, I like the phrase, ye must be. And I that resonated. I said, I know there's another verse that has that phrase in it, ye must be. And I my handy dandy concordance found it. There is one place else, Acts 15, 24. And it says, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about the controversy that was being dealt with there in the 15th chapter. It's Paul is saying that there had some Jewish brethren had come up to Antioch and said, ye must be circumcised. Keep the law. Yeah. I don't know if that has just because it has the same you must be. I, I don't know that that has anything to do with it, but it's just interesting. It's a perfect parallel because it's some people saying you must be, and they're not saying the same thing that Jesus said you must be. That's right. Right. John the Baptist said the same you must be that right. Jesus told Nicodemus, but you're going to have people out there saying you must be something else. And there's a lot of people using John chapter 3 and John 3.16 in particular to say you must be a believer. That's a great point, Brother Mark. Excellent. What a great point. That's a really good point. One last one on this, you must. <clears throat> and one, one other thing I just want to say, Brother Mark, I, you know, I I want to be careful. when I, Like, I'm not casting any darkness on belief, right? Like, we should believe. There's such a right. great blessing in believing, and we're called to believe. And we should believe, and we know that there is a salvation that comes in belief. Um, that's right here right now, because right now we're believing something that is true because of the finished work of Christ. So I, I don't want to ever, you know, fall into one ditch trying to avoid the other. 
You know, I, I'm totally right. with you. I, and we're all with you on that one. Yeah. We, we are very much, which you're great. What a great lead in to what I was, the last thing I got, because you mentioned uh, about believing. And I go to Acts 4.12. There is none other name hmm. under heaven. How's it go? Whereby we must. Say, whereby we must. Yeah. Be saved. Do you have any thoughts on that, on that expression? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it just, you know, it's it's part and partial of everything we talked about. Like when when you put things in in two categories, like what must happen and what should, could, would be a blessing if it happened. Anything that must happen, God wholly owns. W-H-O-L-L-Y, right? Anything that must happen, God deserves himself. Yes. He is, he is not, like I said, he hadn't subcontracted that. He doesn't need help, nor would he or could he accept any help for anything that must be, right? Yeah. yeah. What do you, brother, your brother, have any thoughts on that? On, on, on Perfect. No? Nothing? Well, 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 well I, I want to, I, I uh, your, your question about can regeneration be proven out of the old testament absolutely yeah. that's a good question man ezekiel i thought so ezekiel. jeremiah jeremiah chapter one. Oh, now yeah. you come up with them it took a, ezekiel, it took a ezekiel. they got they're up there we were treading water yes. brother mike we we're treading water they got all the thoughts together well, what about what about joe 15 and 14 tell me what it says what is man that he should be clean and he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous Hey, I like that because the water must be born of water and of the spirit. Is that that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That's good. Surprisingly good for you. How about Brother Mark? I I mean, didn't you have one or Brother Jerry? Or did you have another one, Brother Dave? Created me a clean heart. Oh, God. Uh, I think somebody mentioned the Ezekiel, uh, the stony heart. Yeah. Yeah. Put in a heart of flesh. Uh, I don't know that Jeremiah reference, Mark. Uh, Mark uh, it's Ralph. in the first chapter, I think. Talks about yeah. I knew, before you were born, I, I knew thee, I, I sanctified thee before you came okay. from the womb, and then ordained you to a prophet or so, something along those lines. But it, to me, it sounds a lot like some of the similar language that the Apostle Paul uses in Galatians chapter one. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. And I was thinking, in Jeremiah thirty-three. Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah. What is that? Uh, love you with an everlasting love? Is that what that is? A new, a new covenant I'll make with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. No, 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 no. I was going to say, somebody always brings that one up when we talk about it. I, I, I would think all the... Uh, the good till then, Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think all, all these scriptures that deal with circumcision could uh-huh. be a little fun. Could be examined. Foreskin of your heart. Where right. Moses, yeah, Moses and Joshua gets on to He's telling—is uh, he telling them to do something that you—you you need to realize you can't do this, but it needs to happen. Right, <laughs> that's what it is. It needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. We're at the top of the hour, and this is a bigger part of this than we could probably talk about here. And I didn't really get into it, but that being born of the water and being born of the spirit—you know—that—that's certainly you can have a discussion about that and what, what that means and whether it's. Two different things are the same thing. We got four um, minutes. <clears throat> one, one thing I found interesting about it is that being born of water, that the Greek word for water 
is essentially water, which is used um, everywhere else. But it comes from uh, the base of that word water comes from a word that means rain. That's rain? very, very, um, very present in the word is the fact that it's coming from above. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Ah, I like that. that. Why didn't you say that at the beginning? Man, that's the best part of the whole thing. There's my three minutes. There's that's the <laughs> three, three minute clincher right there. He got it. You see, I started it. It's 7.57. 30 minutes. Giving you 30 minutes, you would have brought that one in. It would have been- but, you know, again, like what, whatever that means, and I don't want to uh, disenfranchise anybody, of, of, you know, comfort they find in the scripture, but whatever that being born of the water is, I, I think there's a sense in which the Lord is saying to Nicodemus, this is, you know, the, the wind or the spirit, um, it goes where it it listeth, and that's not accidental. That's very purposeful. It's, right. it's listed, right. purposeful. Right. And it's it's right. actually the same. Um, that word kind of goes back to the um, the language um, as far as the determinate counsel of, of God. Mm-hmm. It's the determinate um, will of the Spirit to go where it will. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that, those two things, he's saying you're going to be born from above, and you're going to be born of the Spirit. And those are the two things that he's already said. That's right. So, oh, that's great. The, that's the water and the spirit do convey kind of a top down. Yep. Which that's the way this happens. This is not bottom it's up. True. It's top down, that's and right. it's from the spirit. And right. um, and in that, then we say he he must increase. He gets all the credit. Well, I hope everybody who's listening really thinks about it. Gives that a lot of. That's a great point. Wonderful point. Isn't that brother Jerry? Is that something? That was. Well worth three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Even three and a half, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Very well said, Brother Mark. Great message and great, great yes. discussion. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. Really enjoyed the discussion. Uh, Brother Mike Hughes, I hate that your mute button is broken, but you need to get that fixed by next Wednesday because yeah. you're preaching, Lord willing, next Lord Wednesday. Will. And we'll have Brother Mark on so you can ask him the questions you were going to ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then I'm going to go on mute. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Lord willing, next Wednesday, Elder Mike Hughes will uh, will preach Looking for us. Be in prayer for Brother Mike. Be for in prayer for next Wednesday night. Yes. Um, the immutable Mike Hughes. The, oh, oh. oh gosh. The unmutable. Yeah. All right. Um, we got to we got to take it home. We got to take it home. It's, it's falling apart. It's falling apart. Uh, brother Mark, thanks again. It's good. To Wonderful see message, you brother. And, and Love you. Lord, richly blessed your Great. message tonight. Thank yeah, you so much. Love you, brothers. Thank you. Uh, brother Jerry, would you dismiss us by prayer, please? Yes. Let's pray. Righteous and merciful Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank thee for the time that we have spent here this evening. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the message that has come forth by this, our dear brother, and Lord, but for the mercy that thou bestowed upon us and the grace that thou fed him with, Lord, that he would be able to speak in such a way uh, to generate the conversation that we've had and the truths that we rejoice in. Lord, we, we're so thankful unto thee for these opportunities that we have of coming together with our kindred in Christ and reasoning together, looking into thy word, Lord. And we ask that you would just continue to bless us as it seems good in your sight, continue to prosper uh, this forum, if it be thy will, Lord, that uh, in all things that we would do, it would renown to your honor and your glory. 
Forgive us of our sins and overlook our imperfections. Lead us, guide us by your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.